Hello, this is Rabbi Jeffrey Sachs of Atid with another installment of our Jewish Educators Book Club. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing a volume called Souls in Transition, The Religious and Spiritual Lives of Emerging Adults by Christian Smith from Oxford University Press, published last year in 2009. This is a follow-up volume to a book that we touched on in an earlier podcast, Soul Searching, The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers by the same by the same author, and it is the findings of the National Study of Youth and Religion, which is funded by the Lilly Foundation in North America, and it describes the religious lives of Jewish folk in America, but of course predominantly deals with the larger Christian culture um, and helps us understand the map of religious life. Once again, I'm talking with my friend and colleague, Dr. Joel Finkelman, our Director of Research and Projects, who always brings these interesting books to our attention. So first of all, uh, emerging adults versus the earlier volume about American teenagers. What are these two different categories? Well, essentially, um, uh, they've been conducting this massive, the National Study of Youth and Religion has been conducting this massive uh, study of the religious and spiritual lives of American young people. And uh, they began early on with study of essentially high school age students. And they continued with related and identical uh, research in the coming years. And that way they can trace the same age cohort as it ages. In some cases they conducted interviews with the same people uh, five years later um, uh, and they surveyed uh, the same people so that they really get a sense not only of a snapshot, if you will, of a particular moment in the religious lives uh, of people, but also get a sense of how things change, how somebody's religious life uh, a young person's religious life when they're still dependent on parents or still uh, um, uh, completely uh, dependent or in a more closed high school environment, uh, how that differs as they move out, whether they move into colleges, universities, or professions, or, uh, or even temporary work, uh, how it changes over the course of time, how their relationships t- change, how their social lives change, and how their religious lives change. So, in other words, what's, what's unique about this emerging adult set, you know, this young adult set versus teenagers well, in American religious One of the things culture. they point to is that um, uh, one of the trends in Western culture as a whole is the lengthening of the period between childhood and complete adulthood. And if in, you know, way back in history it was possible to talk about uh, childhood and then adulthood and a very quick transition. And then, uh, you know, industrial society invented the teenager. Uh, And now kind of post-industrial society has lengthened the amount of time in which people can be in between. They're uh, often very socially mobile. They're not old enough to be independent financially or professionally. They haven't finished their education. Some may still be living at home or at least be financially dependent on their parents. Um, They're not tied down to families for the most part because uh, ages, marriage age is is getting older. Um, And you can't quite talk about them as teenagers. There are already uh, many of them in their early 20s. Some in their 30s. Some in their, well, in this particular case, uh, they're only dealing with, uh, you know, 
between 18 and, and early 20s. But yeah, people who haven't quite settled down even into their 30s, um, you can't quite talk about them as adults, and you can't quite talk about them as teenagers, and there's a unique, there's a unique element to this. There's a unique element to these, to these young people's lives uh, in that they're very mobile and they're searching and they're not, they're, they're, they're very uh, absorbed in figuring out who they are and who they want to be and where they want to go. Um, he speaks at length about the, the level of, of, of uh, social kind of being immersed in this ongoing, constant social life uh, that's part of the self-definition. Who are my friends? Where are my relationships? Where are my relationships going? Permanent relationships, temporary relationships, um, transitions uh, that affect also their religious lives. They have enormous amounts of freedom. Those who are higher up on the socioeconomic ladder have even more freedom. And one of the reasons they, sh- they find, uh, in the, for the most part, a gradual religious decline during these years between high school and, and emerging adulthood. Part of the reason is that, um, that emerging adults, according to their study, um, consider themselves to be tremendously busy. Uh, and one of the things that, I mean, it's hard well, to you, imagine. You and I would kill to go back to that yes. level of right. so they, you know, try, uh, try paying a mortgage and raising a couple of kids. But they consider themselves incredibly busy, and they're so dynamic, and they're so not tied down, and they have so much freedom that uh, regular church attendance, they're often not opposed to it. It just, you Doesn't know, work. I'm just too busy. Uh. Um, so there's, there's reason to focus on this age of semi-dependence and semi-independence uh, because it plays into how people relate to, uh, to religion. Uh-huh. In other words, the, the, in the description of the diversity of religious culture and, 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 and lifestyle and, and experience, um, the, the book points to a couple of, like let's say, uh, typologies or ideal types um, of, of American religious youth and what are, what are those? That's one of the significant features of the book. And what are those and then how does it play out or correspond to what we see in the religious Jewish community? Well, w- one of the nice things about this study is that they try to they try to get at things from a couple of different angles. They have quantitative, you know, number-based research in which they're, you know, interviewing people and asking them questions and, you know, and then they can give you statistics and what percentage, et cetera, of people are doing what. Um, But there's also a qualitative element that come from, you know, several hour long, more freewheeling conversations with with uh, with several hundred um, young people, and they're able to build a combination of statistical data, which is somehow dry and doesn't always get at the the quality and the and the um, and the personal element with interviews and with qualitative um, data, and it, it comes out something very rich. Um, and they try to develop a couple of kind of religious types, and as they say, they're very. The, the writing is very clear um, for social science, um, even for not for social science. It's well written, it's clear. Uh, and they say, they, we don't think that everybody or anybody fits necessarily exactly, but these are kind of helpful devices for placing people. They talk about the committed traditionalists, 
and there are a fair percentage of committed traditionalist young people, uh, especially in, in North America, who really feel attached to religion. Their decisions in life are filtered through um, religious questions. They're attached to church groups, whether it's on campuses or, or off campuses. Um, they pray regularly, etc. Uh, there are selective adherents, which is their second model, which are people who are strongly attached to some religious group, but they don't necessarily buy into the whole package, whether theologically, ideologically, or practice. Um, uh, they talk about it as being a kind of cafeteria style. They're in this cafeteria, but they're not necessarily choosing everything that the uh, cafeteria is, is, is offering. Um, they also talk about a third category of spiritually open people who are, um, they're searchers, they're, they're looking for something. They don't necessarily want to be tied down to a particular tradition or a particular institution or something that's going to confine them, um, but they're respectful, even if critical, of other people's commitments, and they're hunting around for different kinds of ways of expressing their uh, spirituality. Um, there are religiously indifferent uh, people, um, who don't care one way or the other. They're not opposed, they're not not opposed, it's just not really on their agenda uh, one way or the other. Um, uh, they talk about religiously disconnected um, uh, people um, uh, who, um, who really, um, as they say here, uh, they have only the faintest relational institutional ties to religion. It's just not part of their lives. Um, uh, uh, totally, um, you know, totally off their radar, and they talk about the irreligious emerging adults, which is actually a growing population uh, who know something about religion, care about religion, and don't like it, mm-hmm. uh, and see it as a. Uh, Those uh, are people who tend to have been raised in religious homes and go away from it. Ma- many are angry toward the religion that they grew up with. Um, you know, some are linked to the kind of growing. Um, uh, um, atheistic movement that's beginning to get um, to get attention. Although you know they tend the the young adults, the emerging adults tend to be less concerned about the global implications of of religion and more concerned about uh, the way it hurts has hurt them or people they're close to. Um, uh, and you know they're they're clear that a lot of them uh, were either raised in non-religious homes um, and got their atheism. Uh, you know, with their mother's milk, with their mother's milk, and some who grew up in religious homes and and rebelled or or uh, or changed. My sense is um, uh, one of the things that was remarkable and eye-opening to me about reading this was the extent to which socioeconomically in Orthodox Jewish education, for the most part, we deal with a very narrow um, slice of the population, um, middle class and wealthier people from uh, relatively stable homes, statistically, obviously I'm not talking about individuals, uh, who come from backgrounds where, even if as Jewish educators we may criticize some of the lay inconsistencies in religious practice, but these are people coming from relatively strong religious homes who are, if we're dealing with the day school system or the year Israel programs, families that are willing to expend enormous resources for religious education. Um, uh, and uh, if we talk about... And Religion in America in general. Yeah, overwhelmingly white also. Right. And if we talk about 
uh, African American religion or Muslim religion or religion among the lower socioeconomic classes and those less educated is a very, very different picture. Right. Um, my sense is that for the most part in Orthodox education we're dealing with committed traditionalists and selective adherents. Um, and people in between. Um, uh, certainly not dealing with people who are indifferent. Maybe a handful of the, you know, irreligious, angry dropouts, but they tend to drop out. Um, but really we're dealing with committed traditionalists who really care a great deal. Uh, or those who are there and selective. They're, you know, not prepared 100% to buy everything that the Torah or Judaism or the teachers and educators and rabbis want them to. Uh, but they're still there. there. They're having the conversation. Uh, you compare that to the larger... It makes me feel very optimistic about the successes that are involved even with the students with whom we struggle, who we feel right. are not, right. you know, are not right. totally engaged. Right. Uh, things could be worse. Well, again, just to follow up on that, obviously, as I understand it, in America, uh, born-again Christians, and there are, of course, other flavors of Christians, born-again Christians uh, make up 25% of the population in America. One out of four Americans are born-again. Right, I've heard all kinds of different numbers, uh, and I don't know... But, but, but Jews, overall, every Jew, uh, you know, from uh, from Chassidu Sharav to Woody Allen and everything in between, uh, make up about one... A half percent of the American population now, maybe even less, something like that, and and, and of course a, a small percentage of those are, are religious Jews. Um, so I imagine that the statistics here are a little a little tricky. But what does the book have to tell us about the Jewish religious experience? So there? that's also interesting because um, and of course by religious here Jewish religious here for the categories of this book that would include uh, committed uh, conservative Jews, committed reformed Jews, committed Jews of, of any stripe, not only orthodox. Right. Only. So it's pretty clear, and this is remarkable. Uh, I really felt like it was eye-opening um, to me to realize just how minuscule a percentage of the population we deal with in orthodox education. Um, for example, uh, according to both of the books, Jews are the least religious uh, subgroup of Americans. Um, Mormons and Southern Baptists are the most religious. Um, are the most religious, and you know they don't have a, a large group of Jews because Jews make up one and a half percent, a little bit more, a little less, of the American population, uh, and Orthodox is about ten percent of that. Um, so they don't have a lot of Jews. The Jews tend to be less religious. Um, and my sense is that it is more interesting to compare the Orthodox Jewish young adults to, um, to the more religious Protestant groups than it is to compare them to the other Jewish groups. Um, I don't like saying that for reasons of Jewish unity, but in thinking about it educationally and where people are coming from, um, you know, they touch on it in both of these books and other students of American evangelicalism have looked at the way in which evangelicalism has become a great deal more diverse, uh, a great deal more liberal, um, a great deal more eclectic. If, you know, in the 1980s and the rise of the Christian right, it was very clear that... Um, uh, it was very clear that if you were an evangelical Christian, then you thought this about the environment, and you thought this about uh, you know who to vote for, and you thought this about foreign policy, and you thought this about family values. And now there are evangelical groups that are much more open to 
liberal agendas, the ecology, uh, gay rights. Well, as they um, grow, no doubt they have to have uh, moved from a smaller tent to a bigger tent. Uh, you can imagine a group growing and wanting to shrink its tent, but uh, yeah, but generally it's not the way it goes. Right. So um, so I, I think it's interesting. Also, I, my sense is, or my gut sense is, that that certainly happens within the Orthodox population as well, uh, in which Orthodoxy has its fringes and its people who are trying to stretch the envelope. Interestingly, you know, the Jews in America go the other way. In other words. In other words, our grandparents' generation, you know, who thought voting for Franklin Delano Roosevelt may have been, you know, a mitzvah min hatorah, uh, you know, an absolute obligation. So now we see Jewish conservatism and the political conservatism. Right, certainly within the Orthodox yes, right. community, which, you know, is another reason perhaps to think that the relevant parallel is between the Orthodox Jewish population and the evangelical population and not between the Orthodox and the non-Orthodox. Um, non-Orthodox populations. Um, the, uh, the question of retention, of the degree to which uh, people raised in some kind of religious tradition, you know, end up, even if they take some kind of uh, detours along the way, but they end up just like their parents, which is, after all, part of the agenda of all religious education. Um, how is that addressed in the book? What do we what do we know from this, and how might it teach us something about our work in Jewish education? So, wh- one of the great, uh, one of the nice chapters here um, deals with statistical tools that I don't even claim to understand, but they try to statistically trace the, the patterns, the paths that, uh, that young people follow religiously over the course of these years and what leads to what and what kind of experiences tend to go together. Uh, Broadly, they claim that for the majority of young people, of emerging adults, who begin with some kind of religious commitment, the years between high school, you know, 18 to 22, 23, are years of gradual decline with small groups doing significant decline and small groups doing, very small groups doing significant increase. Meaning um, the overwhelming majority of kids in America who come from some kind of significant religious background retain an attachment to that religious background, even if it's a little bit less. Um, uh, with a certain expectation, although you know, you'll have to wait until volume three comes out, or four and five, um, with a certain expectation that as people begin families, um, religion is likely to increase again. Um, uh, but there's a small group that just drop out. Some of the you know, disengaged, angry uh, religious types who began in some religious tradition and over the, you know, after high school really lose it. And also a small group, you know, what we would call Chosrim uh, Bichuva, uh, in our lexicon, who find um, attachment to religion often out of a sense of homelessness and lostness and, and lack of anchor, um, and what will happen to them in the future also you know remains to be seen. My sense is that that's again it's a gut sense that uh, that's largely what's happening in the Orthodox Jewish world also. Mm-hmm. The majority of you know from kids leave high school or leave the year in Israel programs, um, in the coming years there's a certain kind of decline, but they're basically still 
under our tent, however large or small. Um, and some drop out. Uh, it's remarkable to me that we still have no idea how many. And neither do we have any kind of longitudinal uh, data on what happens to the dropouts. Uh, 15 years later, yeah. 20 years later. Yeah. An acquaintance of mine uh, in, in Efrat, um, who, uh, who was in high school in Efrat in the early years of the, uh, of the Yishuv uh, here in Israel, um, when there was a period of uh, perceived crisis amongst parents, that these parents, particularly parents who had come to Israel from America and were raising their children here, and for whatever reason, there were a number of kids that uh, went, you know, in the parlance of the, uh, you know, the popular parlance of the book, uh, went off the derech, off the derech, or here, uh, the the, uh, the pithy phrase kipot zrukot, they took off their, they took off their uh, their yarmulkes, and. Um, so this fellow was now in probably in his early 30s and had graduated high school sometime in the early 90s, uh, maybe in the mid-30s. He told me something interesting. He said that all of those kids that took off their keypot in high school and caused such aggravation for the parents, except for one. They all got married. They all settled down. They all put their keypot back on, and they're indistinguishable socio-religiously from their parents. I, mean, I don't know to what extent that's right. statistically true, but one of the things no, I've I, been fetching about for a while, um, orally and in writing, is that you know the Lilly Fund Foundation is not about to uh, you know to fund our study, but we, we we don't have anything comparable to this. We don't have the slightest ounce of data about what our students believe, what they practice, what they care about, what they don't care about, what they, uh, you know, what their commitments are, what their complaints are about religion, what different types they, what paths they follow. It's all anecdotal, and our anecdotes might be correct, right. and our instincts might right. be correct, but they might not. Right. Um, but even if that were true, even if this particular anecdote that I just related, if, even if we knew it was statistically true across the board, which I'm sure it's not, because that's really remarkable that only one student at a whole high school machzor, um, that, that still doesn't necessarily uh, point the way for what we as educators should do, and it certainly doesn't offer a lot of um, help to the parent that's uh, yeah. going through this uh, while That's the child true, is, I, is rebelling. I'm not, I'm not sure that the goal of this kind of research in the American okay. general community is to inform... Okay. You know, Look, the book, is, the book is descriptive, but prescriptively, what might we as educators learn from it? Well, first of all, the book is essentially descriptive, although it's pretty clear Christian Smith is one of the you know, leading scholars of religion in America, and, you know, published you know, several volumes. Um, uh, generally speaking, he's sympathetic. Um, you know, overall, you get the impression that the authors uh, and co-authors they like religion, broadly speaking. Right. Um, I, um, I, I think that this, you know, the kinds of things that these sorts of research can do is, first of all, to give people perspective. You know, the the kids who we identify as problems on the spectrum of religion in general. How problematic is this? Um, to give a sense of a more realistic sense of the factors that are involved, we tend as educators to assume that the factors involved in this kid's religious path are the conversation I had with him at two o'clock in the morning on 
you know, on, sub- on some Shabbaton, which I don't mean to suggest that it's insignificant, but there's what to be said about the socioeconomic background and the baggage and the situation in the home and the, the larger cultural milieu in which people are working. Um, my sense is that this kind of stuff is not going to change the Chumash curriculum and it's not going to change the, you know, the youth programming in, you know, in, you know, Church X in Wyoming, but it does give educators a chance to put themselves a little bit into the kids' shoes and a little bit into the environment, um, you know, to realize where the kids who they're dealing with are on the spectrum of the, you know, the whole big big picture, which is a lot bigger than any of us you know, really get right. a chance to see. Okay. The book is Souls in Transition, The Religious and Spiritual Lives of Emerging Adults by Christian Smith by Oxford University Press, available on Amazon.com and probably not in your local Jewish bookstore, <laughs> but, uh, but the interested person can find it, can find it online as well as uh, finding a number of uh, summaries of the research uh, Etc. online uh, as well if you want to spare yourself uh, buying and reading reading the whole uh, the whole uh, 350 page uh, page book as always Dr. Finkelman it's enlightening to talk to you about what's on your bookshelf and we hope to be back in about a month with another episode of Atid's Jewish Educator Book Club <laughs>